I think what I'm, I'm guilty of is treating our democracy like it, it is so set in stone that it can never be threatened. Yes. And I learned a big lesson. Our democracy is only here because we've cared for it and because of, of our attitudes towards it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fragile, just like any bond in a, in a relationship is a fragile bond. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Start right here. Oh, that's where it starts. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right here. Welcome back uh, to Start Right Here. Not over there, not over there, not right here. Start right here. I'm Tom Rutledge. I'm with uh, my partner in crime, my good friend and better friend since all of this last year of COVID isolation in a community has been going on because we've just been spending a lot of time together. Uh, uh, Dr. Alan Berger. Yeah, great. How you doing, Tom? It's good to see you again. We've had quite a week. This has been quite a week. This has been this has been a week that is one of those weeks that you think, um, yeah, you think I never thought this would happen. It's uh, and and it uh, it also it well, I'll tell you what it brought me brought me back to. If, if it's okay for me just to jump in here and yes, uh, about it. this, it's like like my my book uh, my book that was published with Harper Collins came out. Uh, it's called Embracing Fear. It was we were in the final edits when the 9/11 attack happened, and uh, so you know, here we have a book about fear. Uh, everything becomes about fear, and we're getting you know. So we uh, and I loved working with this this publishing company and, and this particular editor. It's so we had a decision to make. We had do we want to do we want to go back in and revise this book so that it is a book that directly addresses all of this, uh, because you know we were talking about at the very beginning of my book about fear is you know we're not just talking about gigantic fears. We're talking about worries and agi- and anxieties and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, when you hear one loud sound, it's like it's, it drowns out all the others. So so nobody was thinking in terms of worries and and nobody you probably you remember the in therapy when you know for quite a long time it was i mean at least three weeks i would think people who even brought up their own personal stuff brought it up with guilt because they felt like they shouldn't have any problems because of all this other stuff that was happening and and uh, so but we ultimately and i'm glad we did decided not to make this a, a 9-11 book basically and and but we did need to go back in and put put that put the context of that in, in there. So I, so we did go back and make some changes to talk about that. But the thing that, that I had not anticipated at the time was, was it became a part of the publicity for the book because I got, I was on, you know, I was, I was on Fox news before Fox news was had the reputation it has. Now I was on Fox and friends actually uh, talking about terrorism and how you deal with uh, uh, Tom Ridge, the, the Homeland, Homeland security guy was right after me. And we talked about all this stuff and we really got into, to uh, some of the first times I was thinking in terms of, not just the mental health of our individual selves, but the mental health of us as uh, in this, I thought of it in terms of community before, but as a nation, in that case, it's like, you know, we were having a mental health crisis as a, as a nation. Uh, And so fast forward to now, I think we've been, you know, we've been having quite a long drawn out problem with mental health issues with, as a nation. And I don't mean crazy. I mean, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, uh, and needing to understand what, what I, what I, I guess the main thing I want to talk about is, is the very first part of my book, Embracing Fear, I talk about it's how important it is to, to tell the difference between healthy fear and neurotic fear. And we've touched on this in different, with different language before, but it's 
because and, and the, the language I use in the book is because healthy fear is our ally. It's not just it's not just something that's OK. It's like, no, this is a part of our inner guidance. You know, when we have this. And so as we look back at this week to catch back up where you were, the, we look back at this week and we watch what we watched in Washington, D.C., it's like if people if people are, are, are afraid when you're scared, when you see that, that's healthy. We should be. We should be afraid and we, and we should not. And we, we got we have to watch out for the human ability and the tendency to habituate everything and to make it okay. It's like, it's not okay. We need to be, you know, this is just like having, if, if we were liking it to a, a family, it's like, and I'm not talking about just individuals, but just the whole system. It's like having, having, you know, an out of control addict or, or bipolar person in the family and everybody is just adjusting around it and nobody's, nobody's going to do anything about it. And everybody says, let's just try to be as quiet as we can and maybe it'll get better, you know? And I think we're, I think we're past that place as a nation, but I also want to be sure that we keep, I think bringing it up and mentioning it to the idea that we, the, 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 the healthy fear is a wake up call for us. To, we need to listen to that. And it's like, and the neurotic fear is something we don't want to, to be in charge of us. We want, we want it. That will stop us. Healthy fear will propel us forward. That made a little bit more sense in my head before I said it, but does that make sense? A lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. I, look, the, the, the distinction I make, which is along the same lines that you're making is look, fear is, is when there is an actual threat in reality. Yeah. So right now, we have not experienced a threat to, to our democracy as great as we've recently experienced. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's the very right. fabric of our country. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this country is our democracy. Yes. I mean, I'd want to, I, I, I love this country. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else in the world. And I saw it being incredibly threatened. I saw things that you would have never imagined happening on our streets and in our capital. So yes, I felt fear. That wasn't there was an there was an insurrection. You know, it um, there was an attempt to change the will of our nation in terms of the voting process and stuff like that. And that's the heart of democracy. Right. There was a, there was a, there was a straight on attack of, on our capital, on our on our on right. our government. And it was encouraged by the president of the United States and all of his cronies. I mean, it yep. was an incredible thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so look, there is, that's, that is a reality. Now, what I said, there's a difference. Anxiety is when you fantasize about what's going to happen and see, this right. is where it's a real right. challenge to, to keep our focus on the objective part of this, what's real. And yep. to, cause this is where the now mental health comes in. So we have a fear here. There, there was a threat and it, it's a real thing and, and it's not over. If, if you hear the feedback mm -hmm. that we're getting from organizations like Twitter and they look at the kind of chatter that's taking place, which is yeah. a legitimate, you know, um, any, any intelligence organization is going to say one way they can determine what's going to happen is look what kind of chatter is taking place on right. social media around mm -hmm. stuff like this. There's a lot of chatter going on that this we haven't seen the last of this attack on, mm -hmm. on our capital and our government. Um, you know, we got the inauguration coming up here in a couple of weeks. I mean, to me, that would be a, an incredible, you know, uh, time for them to try something. I mean, mm -hmm. I think incredible meaning they could see that as an incredible opportunity to get a lot of press, to get a lot of, you know, because that's part of this thing, too. You just saw the grandstanding. Mm -hmm that was taking place as people were entering yeah. into that Capitol building. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and so going back and when I go back when, I, when I'm sitting, I'm sitting here looking at a copy of uh, my, uh, uh, the, the embracing fear book, the, the subtitle that uh, is the, my, my wonderful editor Gideon Wilde came up with is uh, how, how to turn what scares us into our greatest gift. Yeah. And I, and I love that. I love that because it's so, it feels so uh, counterintuitive, yeah. How, you know, but it is absolutely fear can bring us to that great gift. And because it brings us to not only, I mean, in the moment it's action, but I think what we're dealing with now is a place of awakening. 
Yes. And the thing that the thing I wrote uh, recently and put out uh, here and there is it, there's several versions of it now that I've written, but it's like what the, it just begins by our resolution as as a as a as a nation needs to be that we need to promise ourselves and each other that we're never going to to let our government operate unsupervised again. Because that's what that's how this happens. Yes, is is we take we feel better because oh it's okay or our guys are in charge so we're going to be okay. We we I help. This is one of the things that Patrick that you are an inspiration to me about this because your 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 uh, your clarity about your anxiety about this stuff is so yeah. so much a part of my uh, enlighten, enlightenment about it too. Is the idea is like yes, and it's and it's not that we, not that Alan and I we're not done. We're 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 old, but we ain't that old. But it's I look at the younger younger people and go like, now if you guys can get if you guys can keep getting this idea that you you know it's like. Trust people, but don't trust, don't trust them blindly, you know, and that's, and that means your own people too, not just the other side. Uh, could you, I'm, I'm very interested. Uh, the gift that your fear gives you, um, is it that clarity? Is, is clarity? The gift? I think it's, I think there's lots of things. I think it gives you the, the gift of that. It also gives you the, it also gives you the gift of courage because, because the idea is that we, we have a choice when we feel fear and it, it, it is, we can, you know, even with a healthy fear, even with a fear that is factual, we can cycle back into that neurotic fear that Alan's describing. And just, you know, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote about fear is the same reason I, I wrote about self-forgiveness and, and should monsters in our heads, because these were problems that have been problems in my life. I, I you know, I grew up as a, you know, I realized in therapy, I was a frightened man. I was a frightened little boy. I was, you know, I lived in, I lived from fear. And so the idea is, I want to be aware of my fear. Fear is not a bad, not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it's like, I can choose courage and that, and see, I really came down to the, to, uh, to understanding after spending the time writing this book. And I, I think it's one of those things, you know, Alan, you get this too. It's like you spend the, as much time as you do with a subject, writing a book. Some of the best stuff you have about it is, is not in the book because you thought of it afterwards. Yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> because, because you spent the time. Let me, hey, let me say something about the gifts part of this, because I think it's, it's such an important thing. So look, one of the gifts is, is that we, you get grounded when you confront a situation like with yes. 9-11. One of the things we realized was that it was naive to think that someone could hijack a plane and not use it as a weapon. It was done in World War II, the kamikazes, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a mind blower because you, you weren't supposed to get in a plane and deliberately crash it into a ship as a weapon and turn it into a missile, essentially, mm -hmm. right? And, and it blew the military minds because this was out-of-the-box thinking, you know, yeah. that they did not imagine this was going to take place. And it was a terrifying situation because when you got somebody who's willing to sacrifice their life and not care about their life in order to, to attack your ship. And, and that's what we saw going on. And, and we also saw it on the troops on the, on the ground. There were a lot of suicide bombers. They weren't mm -hmm. called suicide bombers at that point in time, but a lot, a lot of people were willing to Japanese were willing to sacrifice themselves and, and, you know, crawl underneath a U.S. tank with explosive mm -hmm. strap and yeah. blow themselves up to blow up the tank. Mm -hmm. Now that stuff was not like, we couldn't wrap our minds about it because, you know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm Sergeant Berger and private Tom's over there. And I'm going to say, Tom, I want you to strap these explosives to you go crawl underneath. Tom says, yeah, right. That's going to happen, Berger. I mean, he's on it. I mean, our mentality won't let us wrap our heads around right, right. that kind of a thing, but that doesn't mean people aren't going to do it. See, okay. But go back, go, go, don't, I, I'm with you all that. Go back to the grounded part, though, because because that's the gift. So what we learned here was is that I think what I'm I'm guilty of is treating our democracy like it, it is so set in stone that it can never be threatened. Yes. And I learned a big lesson. Our democracy is only here because we've cared for it and because of of our attitudes towards it. Mm hmm. 
it's it's fragile, just like any bond in a, in a relationship is a fragile bond. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a fragile bond to that much more fragile than I've ever imagined. Right. And in terms of Patrick, back to what you're saying, I think I think we've also through this election, I think we've seen I mean, it's I, I just pardon, pardon the metaphor. I'm not trying to make light of any of this, but, but I, I'm watch, I just watched my Titans football team lose a very close game. It's like we really pulled this one out. Uh, you know, and, and it's really important to, uh, to realize it's not a football game. And that, we, like you said, we're not done and we're not done after inauguration. It's no. like we, you know, but we did get to see the gift. I mean, if you want to call it the gift of Trump yeah. is, is, is he is one of the, he, if, if we will, if we will make it so, this is what I believe about fear. It's our choice. If we will make it so, the, the gift of Trump is that he is the one, he can be one of the greatest awakenings you know, of all time to wake us up to all of this stuff. It's like, right. no, actually, you know, there's lots and lots of people, lots of moving parts and lots of bad folks involved in all this stuff. But, but the, from the, from that very center of, of that man, what we've seen is that that so much damage, so much ripple effect of damage can be done. And it's like, we, or have awakened we never need to you know we we get to sleep but we need to take turns on being stand and watch you know it's like we don't need we, you know we took it for granted is what you said and i think that's 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 the that's one of the lessons that we have at this point and i think well, that and that's right and see and i think the other thing we're learning i for me this is a gift is is it's 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 around this issue of truth and how Truth can be manipulated, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and what we saw here is that one of the things that, that Trump was uncanny at, the ability of taking the fear of a large portion of our populace and using that fear to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. This is how Hitler came into power in Germany. Mm-hmm. There's no, and And... And many, many despots and tyrants have come into power along those lines. They say, if, if, if we don't, and that's the nationalism that starts to show up. If we don't take hold of this, you're going to lose your life. <laughs> you're going to lose your life. And look, all of those folks that, that would jump off a cliff for him, they really believe it's a life and death issue for them. Right. I mean, I know some Republicans that say this is the end of democracy because Biden has been elected. I mean, instead of saying, my God, this is the salvation of democracy. They're thinking that in four years, we're going to be a socialist country. Right. Okay. Now, let me let me go back to 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 this this part is let's go back to mental health for a second, because the other thing to pay attention to with that, because we've we've had such we've had this intensive workshop on narcissism in the in the most obvious way and one of the things i've always told clients about trying to help them understand what a narcissist is is a narcissist will do many things but one of the things they're going to do is they're going to accuse you of doing exactly what they're doing it would be like me telling you god damn it alan get your hair cut right okay it's like that and and they do it so powerfully yes you know, that I'm, you know, that, that I'm sitting there, you know, I always tell people because I'm always wearing cowboy boots. Always tell oh, them, a good example, what they're going to accuse, let's say in this case, they're going to accuse this, you know, Trump has accused everybody else of lying. Yeah. They're lying. They're yeah. lying. They're lying. They're lying. And yeah. there's been no, I mean, in this, this is not coming from just, I'm not just pulling this out of my hat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People that have fact checked him, there's never been a president that's lied as much as Trump. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, and so what we have is Pelosi we, gets it. She goes, he's projecting. He's projecting. I know. I, I know. mean, Pelosi understands the psychology of that mm-hmm. dynamic yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. well, man. Well, and 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 there's there there are offshoots to this conversation that, that I think you and I because our because the subtitle you came up with for this thing is that uh, the, the conversation is about what matters most is. I think we have a puzzle here and we understand some of it, but, but how there can be so many, what, what I just referred to is pardon me if this is offensive to somebody otherwise intelligent human beings who buy this stuff. I, I have not figured out how to speak to those people yet. 
and 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 there and, and we don't have to change everybody's mind but we need we do need to get people who are amenable to change and who are amenable to to, to growth uh and how they're thinking and maturity uh recovery really what we talk about with emotional sobriety we need we need we need to be able to not just just dig in on one side and just play everything to win we have to we have to problem solve yeah, how do we unlace that tribalism? You know, I mean, that's a question. Oh, that's myself. That's a great. That's a great way to say. Un, how do we unlace the tribalism? I think. I think what we need to. The, okay, the fear should point us. Okay, we're going to stick to fear as a gift. The fear should point us to to the right questions, and that's a beautiful question. It's like there's no just one answer. And and one of the things you can know you're in the you're talking to you're in the wrong conversation if everybody just has the answer and we're arguing about which one's right. Yeah. It's like we have to have this conversation and it's and it's got and those questions are just tools that take us to toward more understanding. The way we start with that well, is I write that, that I mean, question like, down. You know, look, Absolutely. You know what we're talking about here is is no is 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 a really is is a difficult process because you know look let, let me use this analogy for a okay. minute i don't think it's too far stressed or, okay. or too far stretched i mean uh -huh. is, is is so you take someone who's been in, involved in a cult mm -hmm. and that this cult leader has been able to help people or or make or convince people influence people to such a, to believe a whole set of reality that has nothing to do with reality. Right. And if a family member goes ahead and is able to rescue a person from that cult before, let's say they drink Kool-Aid or what, mm -hmm. now, now you got to understand that guy that took his following down to Mexico, convinced them all that they'd be better off to kill themselves. And they mm -hmm. followed his direction. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, now that level of obedience to where you're willing to, drink Kool-Aid and give it to your kid that's poisoned and watch your child die. I mean, think about that for a minute. That's like, to that, analogous. it's analogous to our current. It's, well, it's very analogous because look, and, and, and these people really believed what they were being told. And this is, this is the dilemma. See what they think that that is, is, is the threat out there in the world right? Twists everything around 100%. And it's, so it gives that person, in this case, the cult leader, so much power to manipulate their fear. Mm -hmm. They're stealing the election from you. They're mm -hmm. stealing the country. They're stealing your democracy. I mean, and these people are patriotic, right? right. You're taking away from me what is my God-given right Right. See, that's how it gets wired in there. And so if 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 let's say Tom was in a cult and he was my brother and you and I went and rescued him and to deprogram him is takes an incredible effort. <laughs> I mean, right. we're not talking about deprogramming one person. We're talking about deprogramming 70 million people. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. How do we help people get grounded in and be able right. to see what the reality is again right. and right. get past this? It's, I'll tell you, it's a very special thing to be a deprogrammer. And they're not all successful. We hear right. about the successful right. ones. Right, right. I mean, it, it, it's a remarkable thing, the mind, Patrick. It really is, is in terms of being able to help people because for them, the reality that they're that they're believing in is the reality and they don't see it any other way. And then when you try to point it out, they say, well, see, they've got you fooled. Right. You're part of the deep state. They've fooled you. See, so it, you're in this dilemma of anything you say, if it goes contrary to what their belief is, what mm -hmm. is going to be refuted? Yeah, yeah. This, this, I want to toss this piece in here too, just because it, it, there's a, there's a, there's a test question that I, that I, I have been using now for some time. And it's, and it is basically to see if somebody can, I can answer a, a hypothetical. Okay. So like, let's say, let's say that you believe something that I, I consider absolutely ridiculous, Alan. And, and I say, uh, well, let's say, let's say you believe, you believe everything about Trump is, is real. And I say to you, 
I want you to, I want you to answer this hypothetical question. If you found out, if you discovered that Trump was not what you thought he was, that he was actually, actually a devious, a devious minded and manipulative and dangerous man, would you then change your position? Okay. Now that hypothetical question has only one answer. It's like, you know, if you, so if you were to say to me, Tom, if, if, if you, if, if, if I could convince you that Barack Obama was on his way to your house to kill you and your family, would you then change your mind about how you feel about Barack Obama? The answer is quickly and easily. Yes. Yes. The hypothetical is hypothetical. this people who cannot answer the hypothetical are the people that are, what you're talking about are the people that are going to be hell to deprogram. That's right. Well, they, and they I, refuse but, but to, also, to but let's, but let's look at it this way. So here, here's another way to throw it in. And maybe next time I'll try to, to dig this, this, um, book out because it, it was brilliant it was called scientist as subject okay so we're going to take this out of a political realm okay. and we're going to put Let's it into it. the science realm right okay. now just to, just to make this point okay so it was by dr uh, mahoney i can't remember his first name right now maybe it'll come to me as we go on so what he did is he looked at science because we all hold science as being this 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 approach to 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 life as being objectively based fact. we would all say scientists yeah, yeah, yeah. are based on fact and object <laughs> and he says we couldn't be more wrong than to think that way he says scientists are susceptible to the same forces as anybody else's and he starts with saying when people believe the earth was flat and this was a a worldwide global view mm -hmm. you people would be they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have said global <laughs> well, they wouldn't have said global it, it, based on their perception of they would say they this have, is just flat out the truth this but flat out it's a flat <laughs> earth it's a flat out truth okay. and, no pun intended right <laughs> so people that would have a different opinion would be jailed and killed mm-hmm See, there's something about what happens and what his position was. And, and, and this guy, Thomas Kuhn, talked about this, the structure of scientific revolutions, right? Mm -hmm. He says, what happens is once a paradigm takes place and it's widely accepted, for that paradigm to be changed, it has to go through a crisis, yeah. And there has to be so much evidence that says this is not true, that there's no way you can hold on to it. Because when early on, when the evidence comes in, let's say for us, I'm, I'm not I'm not scientific enough to understand a, a biological um, theoretical construct mm -hmm. that we can use with this. But what he said was, is that early on, when some research, some studies don't go according to where they should go based on the theory. People just say, oh, they ignore it. They ignore the, what Tom was calling the, the information that doesn't fit with the current paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. So they say, oh, that's an anomaly. The study wasn't done well. They're, they're, just like now, people are saying that it was Antifa. They were dressed up in, in Trump outfits because they don't want to accept because they would, mm -hmm. it would put them into this cognitive dissonance that just mm -hmm. Tom was talking about. If they yeah, say, yeah, yeah. no, these were Trump people that were threatening your democracy, not, not other people. These were Trump. But no, no, we'll have to make them what we think is the threat. And that's the, the radical left, mm -hmm. right? So they were all dressed up. And as Trump, they paraded themselves as Trump and they were really Antifa. Now, that's what's going on now because, see, that paradigm is being mm -hmm. challenged. See, and that's what Tom was saying. The hypothetical is now they're starting to get some, some reality to this. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe you've been fooled. Maybe this guy's just about his power. He's not really interested in your freedom because he was just telling you he was really the greatest threat to your freedom that we've ever had. Right. See, and that, that takes so much evidence and so much truth to... Right to change that paradigm it's incredible okay, okay. so now let's 
it's I, I have no idea how, how this podcast is going to come off when somebody's listening to it. But it's like because because it, it, it's all over the place. But every bit of it seems important to me. And, and one of the things you said is very much I'm going to come back to our world for a moment. And that is through and not just addiction, but addiction is the easiest one to the simplest one to track. But none of us we don't get we don't get into recovery because we think it's a good idea we get into recovery because we 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 have crisis and yeah. big crisis and it's like and many of us have crisis after crisis after crisis and it still doesn't take and then maybe and some people have crisis or crisis until it fucking kills them and they never make it and it's like and some people have a crisis they get in and then and then they then they forget it and they go back it's like if we apply what we understand as mental health professionals this is the awakening. This, what happens with recovery is the awakening is there. And then what do we do? It doesn't have to be 12 step, but you and I are very, we're all focused in, focused in 12, 12. We, are, we become, we, we make a daily practice of something that is going to keep us in our awakening yeah. to not drift back off to sleep, not hit the snooze button, not go back to sleep. The, you know, I personally, I just, I, I'm not trying to make this more complicated. I personally thought George W. Bush was our, uh, was our bottom. I thought I, I thought we had hit the bottom and I thought we were on our way back up massive relapse. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, in, in this. So I, I, I think one of the things we have, we need to realize is those paradigm shifts that you're talking about. And I wrote, I, uh, Thomas Coons, I wrote that down Mahoney, uh, scientists, uh, as subject. It, it's, I want to check this out stuff out too, because it is paradigm shift that we need. It is, you know, we, we're not going to be able to shift all the way to, it's not reasonable, to, in my opinion, to shift to, to John Lennon's lyrics of Imagine. But those, those are, those are a, a wonderful meditation as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no countries, no religion. It's like, you know, and the one line in it that I think is, uh, is ridiculous is, it's easy if you try. It's like, there's not, it's not easy. It's like, but we do have to understand and we go back this comes back to the fear thing too patrick about where how, you know where, where are the lessons the, the the gift is waking us up realizing we you know it's time for us to step up be courageous be awake and realize this is not something we just fix one time this is what we learn about recovery this is this is something we make a we make we begin a change that is going to be a change process for the rest of our lives that not one of us who are in this process could have possibly predicted who exactly who we are today when we started this. It's like we need that for the large for our nation, for our world, as, as, as outlandish as that may sound. That's that that it's not a par paradigm shift. It's paradigm shifts yes. in the plural that we need. That's right. And and so I. I in this conversation, I'm going to say one of the gifts I'm getting from this is it is it is being in being in and continuing to be in this conversation with you two and with other people about about this and to, to work on communicating with other human beings about how to solve problems rather than who the fuck is right and who the fuck is wrong. That we have well, to, that's, that's where right. we got to go. As soon as we get polarized on that, but you know, and look at this is where it becomes a challenge because what might be important to you may not be as important to me in terms of right. security, value system. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, our value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Talk about a value clarifications experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some people that were so supportive of Trump because of his impact on the economy and and lessening our dependence on nations like China in terms mm -hmm. of production and stuff like that. Now, personally, I think that, that we make ourselves vulnerable when we become too dependent on, on other countries. Mm -hmm. and, and especially in situations like this, like what we saw with the COVID stuff, when because of the falling out we had, China decided to not bring in a lot of personal protective equipment that we needed mm -hmm. because of the falling out they were having mm -hmm. with Trump. Right. And so in one way, I understand that our dependence on another country can make us vulnerable for those things. And so, you know, I think that we've got to find a balance on these things. But what I'm just, my point is, I don't want to get lost in, in, in the details of this, is my point is, is that what's going to make you feel secure may not make me feel secure. 
Right. And that becomes a big challenge here because a lot of this stuff, you know, what Freud knew what he was talking about when he said religion is the opiate of for the masses. Now, why did he say that? Because a lot of people find, and understandably so, a lot of solace in religion. You know, they say, my God, that there's some greater plan here for me, that there's, you know, there's life after death, and I'm going to go to a much better place and all of these other ideas that if you're more of an existentialist, you don't, you can't find solace in. But all I'm saying is, is people gravitate towards that kind of security, towards wanting to feel that, that things will be okay for them. Now, Back to what you were saying, Tom, about what can we do? Boy, it's a challenge. But I do think that there is something when you say, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, Mm -hmm. is that when we talk about raising people's level of consciousness, Mm -hmm. making people more aware of these kinds of issues, is that what are the forces driving me? What makes something important? And do I really get security by things out there or do I have to think about security in a different kind of a way? That's the dialogue you and I have been trying to help with people Mm -hmm. is that no matter what happens out there, you can be afraid, but you can still feel secure. Now, I learned that from the United States Marine Corps, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. Mm-hmm. They showed me that I could be in a situation that is life-threatening. There's real danger. There's bullets mm-hmm. going over my head. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I stay focused on what I can influence, I give myself the best chance of surviving in a situation like that. Now, that doesn't mean I'm in total control of the situation because I'm not. No. No, you're, no you just, you just told the way the, the way the Marines did the, do the serenity prayer. And, and it's, and it's, exactly it's, it's right. absolutely, it's the most powerful thing. It's like, there is, yeah, you know, there is no ultimate safety. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, there isn't that, any, that, that's, and that's a problem. Things. And I think that's where people get hung up, Tom. They think they're going to, that, that's the thing about healthy fear and unhealthy fear. The, the idea that I'm going to be without fear. It's like, like, no, you're not, not if you're paying attention. That's right. We, we need to listen. Oh, yes, Patrick. For, for my own benefit and hopefully some of the listeners is um, on one of these days where it feels like the world's ending, how do you take care of yourselves? Well, for me, for me, it, it comes in. And I sometimes think this may just be a matter of age too, that it's, it is easier to do at this age than it would be at yours is, is um, in my life. It's all, I mean, it really has come down to, self-respect and integrity it's like you know i'm i'm I, as simplistic as i can make it is, is all kinds of shit can happen and one day i'm not going to survive some one day i won't survive that day and what i want to be sure that i'm doing it every day of my life being the best version of myself that i can be and it, the only way i can do that on the day that i die is to be sure i do it every day and it's like it, i bring it back to i bring it back to me how do i feel about being me how do i feel about uh, how do I feel about how I'm treating my wife? How do I feel about how, how I, have I, um, I, um, was, I have a friend who's just been diagnosed with, with cancer that, and it's one of the reasons I ended up uh, email to you guys recently, just saying, just adding, I, I love you. Uh, you know, I love you guys because those, those things are completely connected to my answer to that question. It's like, how, who am I? How am I doing with being me? I'm a, I'm a hell of a lot better human being than I was. <laughs> And to me, that's where I want to land in the midst of all the uncertainty because the other shit is, you know, uncertain. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to take a shot at what you're saying, Patrick, too. Mm-hmm. So he, here's, here's where I think that the, one of the great things about this, what we call information revolution that's taking place or that has taken place is we have access to more information in the palm of our hands and than any in any person at any other time in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. It's a curse and a blessing because what we call the a here and there phenomena is greater now than ever before in life. See, before 
when before, let's say we, you know, we had this ability to communicate the way we did and to find out what's going on. And like in Washington, D.C., let's say that we didn't have any of this stuff. Well, we'd be dependent on, let's say, the Pony Express bringing mail out here to California. By the time we found out about this, it would be two, three weeks later. It's no longer here and now thing. Now you could turn your TV on. You are right in the Capitol with those guys. It's a here and there that's happening here and now, but it's over there, right? You're not in that capital, but you are because of that here, because of, of what we can experience with technology. Mm-hmm. What do I do when I hear, let's say, an earthquake kills 5,000 people in, in Malaysia or something like that? What does that do for me? Well, that's more information and I can wrap my head around. You see what I mean? In some way, it's overwhelming. Now, where I don't get too hung up in that is to say, I come back to, is there an earthquake happening right here right now? No, there's not. So I don't have to be worried about that earthquake over there. Mm-hmm. Now, it does say that there are earthquakes and terrible things can happen to people when these earthquakes happen. We've seen that in America. I mean, we've seen that in Northridge out here in California, um, those kinds of things. But here's the challenge. And I think that this is, this is part of you know, what, what I think I hope Tom and I can do is pass on ways for you to keep your sanity during insane times. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to do that. Like I said to you, the Marine Corps helped me get grounded in what could I do to ensure my survival if I was in a firefight, if we were being attacked, if the enemy was shooting artillery at us or whatever it was. There were things that we could do to increase our... Now, Could I control that whole situation? No. Here's some of what I try to do in this situation. First of all, I come back to right now. What does this mean to me at this particular moment? Well, it means to me at this moment that I need to pay attention to to our, just what Tom was saying. I need to wake up and not assume our democracy is, is poured in concrete, that it's going to be now and forever and that we don't have to take care of it. And we don't have to manage it. And we don't have to, you know, the way you said it in the beginning, Tom, is that we can't just turn our blind eye and just we got to pay attention to who we're, you know, electing into these power positions and stuff, because there's a lot of power there, as we've seen. And then we so, supervise them, by the way. Well, that's what you called it, supervision. Yeah, yeah. Is We're going to keep appropriate uh, level right. Of supervision. Right, right. See, now I can learn that now. All that does, though, is that right now, what happened there, other than I've had that information, didn't change the fact that Cece had to go to the potty and I had to take her pants down and then wipe her butt after she was done. I mean, that still happened today. The same way it would have happened. Tom's still going down to the barn and feeding the horses. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that you know, there, I don't know if you there, there's a book. It was, it was actually it's interesting because it's so relevant. I just now thought about it. it's one of those books you have on your shelf. I could take you to it right now, even though I haven't touched it in in, in years. It's called New World, New Mind, and it's by Paul uh, Ehrlich and uh, Robert Ornstein. And it is an amazing life altering book that I read whenever it came out, which was like over 20 years ago. But one point they make, Alan, is exactly the point you made in that. And that is that. And ultimately what they said is, and, they, and again, I don't have, I don't remember their exact numbers here, but they said, basically, you look at how much the world has changed in the last 50 years or 100 years. And then and then look at how the how, how the human brain has how much the brain has evolved. It hasn't very much in those years. I mean, for thousands, tens of thousands of years. And so they they use the example of the bear at the door. You know, if the bear is at the door, you react. It's like you do that. He says, then and they weren't. This was even before all the social media stuff. He, they were just talking about television. Yeah. And they said, so the bear is now on the television. Okay. Right? Now the bear, it occurs to me, is in our pockets That's in the right. form of our phone. Exactly. It's like and right. and she's and what they were saying that this is a great reminder and maybe the the best part of the best point we can make is. We need to also be aware as people who are self-caring human beings is that our brains are reacting as if that bear is at our door yeah. and it's not. Exactly right. And it does, and it's not, and we're, we're making the point I think clearly is that doesn't mean, Oh, everything's fine. It just means it's a different level of response that is yes. recall, 
And, that, and one of the things I said to you to text not long ago, Patrick, was, and I think this is probably true for you, just I think this is something that, and I don't mean this as an insult that I think we have in common, is that, that when I can take something like this, uh, something that's going on, it's freaky and weird and hard and scary, and I can turn it into something I can write about, it makes me feel so much better. Now, I, I don't know if that's just pacifying me, but when I can, I've always felt that way about mental health stuff too. If I can take my craziness and turn it into something that might be useful to somebody else, you know, not only do I actually clarify my thinking by writing, cause I do, I, I, I think, I think by writing, uh, it helps me do that, but I actually being, feel like I'm doing action. something. Hmm? Being in action, you know? Being yeah. In well, and it feels like, and, if, and it also with writing, it feels like I'm doing something uh, that is productive and potentially useful and helpful. And so that, it, it, and, and that to me fits back into what Alan's talking about with groundedness. That is just, not, I never thought about it in that way, but writing grounds me. That's right. Writing is a, is a powerful grounding thing. And you, mm -hmm. you know, look at, and you're right. They said that it was with the TV. And like you said, Tom, it's in our pocket now. And more information that was on the TV because back then there was just what, eight channels or six yeah. channels. I mean, I don't know how many channels are on my cable TV now, yeah. Yeah. but I mean, it goes up to 900 or something. Like no, when, no, when we were kids, we wait for Walter Cronkite or Hunt, Huntley and Brinkley to bring us the news for an hour every night. Everybody gathered, watched that. That's it. That's, That's it. all you now, had. Now you've got a streaming, you know, your news is coming to you every minute if you want it. And so well, we bring in this, what this Ornstein and, and Ehrlich are saying is our brains are way overactivated. They are way, look at, so the American Psychological Association, and, and I want to keep this discussion going on one more week. So we'll, we'll kind of wrap it now and have a yeah. part two. Of and it. we should wrap, I think we should f solve all this in another week. Well, I think by the next week, we'll have <laughs> the answers to all of this. But, you know, look at what the American Psychological Association has come out recommending is limit your exposure start limiting your exposure. Once you hear what's going on, stop at that point in time. Don't continue, you know, feeding yourself that information. Once you have the information, let yourself stop, come back a day or so later or later on in that day, but don't mm -hmm. continue to just sit there and get inundated with it. So that's one of the things that they're recommending is to that we need to start to filter what we're exposing ourselves to because it's not being done automatically anymore. Like, like Tom said, boy, we waited till the six o'clock news with Walter Cronkite, mm -hmm. right? That's when we got the news. No, nope, not anymore. You got the news coming at, And then, and now look at the news, the possibilities of your news channels you got. Um, so anyway, the dynamic well, with JFK's assassination, right? You could probably remember that. And uh, I do very so, well. You probably saw totally. that on Cronkite, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. yep. totally. And there was yeah. only like, and, and that was covered on every channel, but there was like eight channels. I mean, I can't mm -hmm. remember how many there were, but there weren't yeah. a, there weren't 50 channels, and they were all pretty much saying the same thing. That's the right. other difference. Is right, right. now the, the amount of information you can get in in the lack of any any mm -hmm. check in terms of the truth, you can go. You know, there's 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 podcasts that are nothing but conspiracy theories. Right. OK, I know we're I know we're wrapping up, but let me say this part out loud because I want you guys both to have it because because this is uh, there's just so much in this. This is it's, it's amazing. I, I, I just wrote this down, managing the multitude as a, as a topic for later. OK, because I want and I want to give just a brief I want to say this and then I'll turn this over for you to wrap us up here, Alan. But it's like uh, because. In, in, a, in a very minor form, again, analogous to all we're talking about, but not at all what it is. I had a day that is a beautiful example of this. I am so aware these days of my, how, I, how I manage and maneuver around the various aspects of my personality and, and, and how, how I can move out of certain moods and places when I'm, when I'm there and don't need to be there. It's like, uh, I won't go into all, all the details, but I'll give you the last example. The last example was I was I, I tried to delay our podcast today till four o'clock because I was really getting nervous about the Titans. OK, didn't didn't get to you guys in time, didn't get that done. So what I did was I I 
left Didi with the football game. I put my headphones on, went out with my dog and I left the football game early. And I, and I, cause I knew I needed at least, I knew I needed at least 30 minutes to, to, just to, to manage myself, to get myself back into a different place, a mindset, because I don't, I know I can't just move one place to the other. And so I realized today, and there's some other examples of that too, but the, the idea that, that we all have to become responsible for how to manage our own uh, mind, mindset and really mood and, and personality. And I'd like to talk about that a ways out now, before, but let's definitely come back to this next. Enough said. Wow. Enough said. That was the final word. This is like the, what is it, the final word that comes on after the Rachel Maddow show? Uh, oh, Lawrence O'Donnell. O'Donnell. I love him. Final, you had the final word today, Tom. Did you know? Did you know that he wrote for uh, uh, what was the Barton Sheen sh uh, president show? Oh, West, West Wing. Do you know that Lawrence O'Donnell wrote for that show? I can imagine. He's very he's he's, he's quite high, and he's, yeah. he knows what goes on in in the halls. Hey, let's get Lawrence O'Donnell on our show. I'd love it. All right, let's do it. Love it. Why? Why not fight him? I mean, I'm. Let's do it. Well, let's do it because I, I, he, I'm sure he can contribute to this conversation and help us be a little bit more sane. Okay. What's the name of the, um, you said it was the psychiatric journal, um, had the article. American about. Psychological Association is I'll bring it in next week and I'll try to find my books on, uh, on the, uh, scientist to subject. I love that book. That, that book meant so much to me when I read it. It was incredible. I think it was, I want to say Robert Mahoney, but I'm not so sure that that was his first name. But it was a, a brilliant, brilliant discussion. Are you more messed up at the end of our discussion or how are you feeling with everything? Uh, no, I feel a little bit better. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's a lot, man. I'm still it's trying to, yeah put it all together into a narrative that will, uh, you know, put me on a track with less pessimism, but this has helped for sure. Yeah. Well, all, all pessimism isn't bad either. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. Part of the conversation. Thank you. All guys. right, you guys. Good job today. Look in the mirror and trust the reflection Deep in your heart Start right here That's where it starts